0: Greetings, everyone, and welcome to episode 63 of Teaching Tales, the podcast totally devoted to sharing stories from the world of education. I am your host, Brent Coley, a husband, a father, a former fourth and fifth grade teacher, former assistant principal at the middle school level, and currently a principal at a pre-K through fifth grade school in beautiful Southern California. And joining me today, nobody... Joining me today, it's just me. We're going solo. We've done a couple episodes in the past where I was flying solo, and I am currently lining up uh, some guests for future episodes of the podcast, but but I was thinking, you know what? This is all about stories, and I have some stories myself, and as some of you uh, listening may know, I recently wrote a book uh, that was published in February of 2019. It's called Stories of Edu influence Edu-influence is the term that I came up with to describe that life-changing power that every single educator, regardless of role, whether you are a classroom teacher, a playground aide, a cafeteria worker, a side administrator, if you work with kids, you possess life-changing power. I call it edu-influence. And in my book, I kind of like. I wanted to do what I've done with the podcast. Every podcast I have a different guest on or sometimes myself and we share stories. And as I've said before, the only thing better than a good story is a story with a message. And that's what I tried to do with the book. And in every chapter of the book... I take stories from my experience as a classroom teacher, as I said, from my experience, 15 years as a fourth and fifth grade teacher, a couple of years as an assistant principal at the middle school level, and now as an elementary school principal. I take those stories and I just share stories, transparent sh- stories, stories from humble successes to some epic <laughs> Failures in one of the chapters. I share the the biggest regret of my career, and I thought in this episode, you know what? I'm going to read you one of the chapters, one of my favorite chapters, uh, because it means a whole bunch to me, and I think a lot of you listening will agree with this. We've had different uh, guests on talking about this topic, and that is relationships. The power of relationships. Again, in each chapter of the book, I focus on a different power. For example, the power of a name, the power of example, the power of belief, the power of apology. Today, I want to read you one of the chapters from the book, chapter two, which is the power of relationships. In this chapter, I share three stories from my experience that really illustrate uh, just how much influence, how much what I call edu-influence we have when we focus on relationships more than rules. So with that, here's chapter two, The Power of Relationships, from my book, Stories of Edu-Influence. The Power of Relationships. No significant learning can occur without a significant relationship. Dr. James Comer. Now, let's begin this chapter by taking a walk down memory lane. Do me a favor and think back to when you were in school and identify a teacher you feel cared about you. Who was that teacher who treated you like more than just a name on a roster, who made you feel special? It could be at any level, elementary through college. If necessary, go ahead and put the book down and think about it for a few minutes. I'll wait. Okay, have that person in mind? Does thinking about him or her put a smile on your face? While there are multiple teachers throughout my schooling who I feel cared for me, I wanna shine the light on Dr. Andrea Guillaume, one of the block leaders in my credential program at Cal State University Fullerton. She was also the professor for an educational statistics class I took during my master's program. Not my favorite subject, but Dr. Guillaume did an amazing job of putting the content into layman's terms. Such a good job, in fact, that I had earned an A going into the final exam. Now, when she announced a few weeks before the end of the semester that students already having an A did not have to take the final and would receive that grade for the course, I had two choices opt out of the test or put in some extra work and take the final tough choice not for me I took the final didn't even hesitate in making the decision there was no way in the world I was gonna take the easy way out because in my eyes not taking the final would have let my teacher down see In addition to being an outstanding instructor, Dr. Guillaume cared for me and the rest of our students. She made an effort to get to know us. She asked about our families, our interests, our jobs. She built relationships with us. So for me, I had to take the final, even though that decision led to extra studying and the risk of potentially lowering my grade. Her opinion of me meant that much. The story does have a happy ending. (laughs) I did well on the exam and got my A. I was proud of myself, but more importantly, I hoped my efforts had made Dr. Guillaume proud. Now, it's important to note that this was a graduate-level course, and I was nearly 30 years old at the time. The relationships teachers build with students aren't just impactful to kids. And just to illustrate how much this story is about Dr. Guillaume and not me as a student, I had the same opportunity in one of my other classes that semester to skip the final because of the grade I had going into the exam. I skipped that test. No relationship built, no desire on my part to go the extra mile. Folks, there's a lesson there Rita Pearson famously stated in her TED talk, every kid needs a champion, that kids don't learn from people they don't like. Dr. Guillaume went out of her way to build a relationship with me, creating in me a desire to go out of my way to work hard for her. It doesn't matter how well we know the curriculum if we don't know our students. It doesn't matter how strong our pedagogy is if our classrooms and schools aren't built on the strong foundation of relationships. Unfortunately, I learned this the hard way during my first year of teaching. I gotta go. If you're a classroom teacher, you know the importance of good classroom management. You understand it is essential for maximizing instructional time. If you happen to be a site administrator, you know that upon walking into a classroom, it takes about five seconds to determine the level of student engagement in that room. If learning isn't occurring, you'll know it and quickly. The greatest lesson ever devised will fall flat if students are off task and not engaged. Bottom line, if kids aren't listening, it doesn't matter what you're saying. As a prospective teacher entering my credential program, I believed this. I still believe this. Classroom management is important. During my student teaching, I worked hard to develop strong classroom management skills. I knew that if chaos reigned in my room, maximum learning would not occur. When I was hired for my first position to teach fourth grade, I established structure and routine from day one. We had fun in my class, but there was order. No swinging from the chandeliers in my classroom. I ran a tight ship and I felt good about how things were going. That is until one of my students gave me a reality check, letting me know that my priorities were misaligned. One morning, all of my students were independently working at their desks, all except Ariana, who was at the back of the room working on the classroom computer. Computer. (laughs) Singular noun. This was 1996, so there wasn't a row of computers along one of the walls of the room, and there certainly weren't any mobile devices. There wasn't even internet in my classroom. Heck, the classroom had chalkboards, and for heat, we warmed ourselves by the wood-burning stove in the corner of the room. All right, just kidding. No stove, but the chalkboard part is true. So, I was working on something near the front of the room when I looked up and I saw Ariana standing before me. She quietly motioned for me to follow her to the front corner of the room as she appeared to want to tell me something privately. I walked with her away from the rest of the class, put my hands on my knees and leaned forward to hear what she had to tell me. Ariana looked over at the other students to make sure no one was listening and then whispered in my ear, Mr. Carl. Oh no, I whispered back. Ariana, why didn't you ask me if you could go to the restroom? Her response? Not at all what I expected. May as well have been a punch in the gut. I thought you'd say no, she whispered barely audibly. Ugh. At that moment, I could not have felt any lower. I quietly sent Ariana up to the office to get a clean change of clothes, and I'm happy to say that none of the other students ever knew what had happened. <laughs> but I did. I was left to wallow in what I had done. Congratulations, Brent, I thought. Look what your amazing classroom management has gotten you. Look what your precious structure and order have created. An environment where a student was afraid to ask you for permission to use the restroom because she thought you'd say no. A nine year old, not a preschooler, wet herself because she wasn't comfortable enough to ask her teacher to use the bathroom. I cringe in shame as I type this, for as a first year teacher, I didn't get it. I didn't see the full picture. But Ariana's words, I thought you'd say no, opened my eyes. I realized at that moment that relationships are more important than good classroom management. If my students don't feel safe, if they don't feel comfortable, nothing else matters. As my friend Corey Orlando has written, when we know better, we do better. I vowed right then and there to do better. I vowed to put students above structure. Tears and hugs. Now, after the Ariana incident, I still didn't think classroom management should be thrown out the window. What I learned from my experience was that managing students shouldn't be my goal. Loving them should be. Yes, it's important to establish a learning environment that is organized. Students shouldn't, let be, shouldn't be left to their own devices, free to do whatever they want with no consequences. That's not good for anyone. But a management system cannot overshadow the relationships we build with our students, or adults if you're in a leadership position. They have to know every minute of every day that they are more important than a set of classroom rules. For those of you who, like me, value organization, structure, and discipline, stay with me, please. It's not a one or the other type of thing. I've learned it's possible to teach students responsibility, to hold them accountable to a set of standards, while at the same time letting them know you care about them. It's possible for students to feel loved in the midst of being corrected. Mark and Sarah... Taught me this. Mark and Sarah were students in one of my fifth grade classes who, though they were great kids with huge hearts, they required a lot of attention. Both had amazing personalities that consistently made me smile, yet, both also needed reminders to stay on task, to not blurt out, to stay focused. A lot of reminders. It's safe to say Mark and Sarah received more support from me that year than any of my other students. Why? Because that's what they needed. When Mark was playing with something in his desk instead of working on his assigned task, I reminded him of what he was supposed to be doing. When Sarah was doodling on a Post-it instead of reading her Literature Circle book, I gently guided her back to the text. To say this wasn't frustrating would be untrue. Honestly, the behavior of these two often tested my patience. They often made me laugh, and they often made me want to cry in frustration. You've been there. You know the feeling. Now, fast forward to the last day of school. At the end of the day, after the final bell had rung, I dismissed the class for the last time, high-fiving students and wishing them a great summer as they left. After a few minutes of straightening up, I exited my room and headed up to the office. As I walked, I noticed two students standing in front of another classroom nearby, Mark and Sarah. All the other students had cleared out, so they were all alone. I approached and again wished them a great summer, but before I had a chance to walk away, Sarah surprised me. She looked up, she looked up at me with tears in her eyes and earnestly said, I'm really going to miss you, Mr. Coley. She then threw her arms around my waist in a big embrace. As if Sarah's actions were permission for him to proceed, Mark started crying, jumped forward, and hugged me as well. I'm going to miss you too, he said in a muffled voice, his head buried in my side. So there I was, standing in the nearly empty quad, Two crying students wrapped around my waist, telling me they were gonna miss me. The last two students on earth I would have expected to hear this from. If there were two students in my class whom I could have envisioned putting my picture in the bullseye of a dartboard at home, it would have been these two. (laughs) If there were two students whom I would have thought couldn't wait to get out of my class, it would have been Mark and Sarah. See, I had to redirect these two all year long. I had to be on them constantly. With as much attention as I had to give them, often in the form of redirection, I thought there was a decent chance they didn't like me. That they thought maybe I didn't like them. But this experience clearly showed me otherwise. Tears and hugs were not evidence of students who disliked their teacher. They were an indication that I had made a connection with them, despite having frequent negative interactions. They were proof that Mark and Sarah knew I cared about them. I had made a difference. So many years before, my experience with Ariana taught me to put relationships over rules. Over a decade earlier, I had vowed to do better. At least with Mark and Sarah, I had. I've received a lot of hugs in my career, but few more special than those from these two students. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. One final story to illustrate the incredible impact of building relationships with students. When I was a middle school assistant principal, I frequently interacted with an eighth grade student who struggled with showing respect toward adults. His name was Kevin, and he was frequently referred to me for being defiant. One day, Kevin was sent to the office for talking back to Larry, one of the campus supervisors, a staff member with whom he'd had several interactions of the less-than-positive variety. When Kevin arrived at the office, I asked him to take a walk with me so we could escape the surroundings that are so often negatively perceived by students. I thought a neutral environment might help our conversation go a bit more smoothly. As we went to leave, I remember thinking something along the lines of, Dude, why? Why do you keep talking back to Larry? You know you're going to get in trouble. Why? But as frustrating as this behavior was, I had learned through my previous encounters with Kevin that getting openly upset with him, raising my voice, was not gonna get me anywhere. Yelling wouldn't help the situation. As difficult as it sometimes was, when I spoke with Kevin, I always tried to keep my voice steady and calm. That's not to say I didn't express disapproval or that there were never consequences. That defiant or disrespectful behavior toward adults was tolerated. It wasn't. But I didn't yell. On this occasion, After Kevin had honestly explained to me what he had done, owning up to his behavior, I voiced my earlier thought. (laughs) I asked Kevin, Kevin, why do you feel like you have to talk back to Larry? His response has stuck with me ever since. Mr. Cooley, you show me respect, so I respect you. Mrs. Key, who was our principal, she shows me respect. So I respect her. Larry doesn't show me respect. So I don't respect him. Boom. For Kevin, it was all about respect. He didn't feel Larry respected him. And in continuing my conversation with Kevin, he said he didn't feel Larry cared about him. There it is again. Another example of the power of relationships, or in this case, the lack thereof. No relationship built by the adult, no desire in the student to go the extra mile. This is another powerful reminder that relationships can be built and fostered even amidst negative circumstances. For Kevin, even when I had to correct an issue discipline, he still felt I cared about him and his behavior toward me reflected that. Now. There is nothing in this world more powerful than love. The love a husband has for his wife, the love parents have for their children, the love teachers have for their students, and the love those students give back. When you take the time to build relationships with your students, you lay the foundation for learning. To reach students' heads, we must first capture their hearts. Our students must know we care about them. This is not an option. Simply showing up for work and assuming they know is not enough. We have to be intentional. At the beginning of the school year, use an index card or Google Form to find out students' likes, interests, and one thing they wish their teacher knew about them. Then use that information throughout the year. Don't just file it away and forget about it. One of your students likes to draw? Ask to see some of her artwork and spend some time really providing feedback. Have a student who plays soccer? Ask how her last game went. Better yet, go to one of her games. I spent a few hours one Saturday morning during my first year of teaching to watch one of my students' soccer games. And his mother let let me know years later that that simple act meant the world to him. If a student comes to class looking a bit down in the mouth, ask how he's doing. No, really, not just a, hey, you okay? But a genuine effort to let him know you're there if he needs to talk. Remember, you may be the only adult in that child's life who gives him any attention. I don't want to be overdramatic, but in a society where teenage depression and suicide are all too real your deliberate act of reaching out, your kindness may save a life. As educators, we are tasked to do so much more than simply teach students reading, writing, and arithmetic. We have to constantly remind ourselves that we don't teach content, we teach kids. Those kids have to know we care about them. Students and adults will run through a brick wall for someone they love and who they know loves them. Love those you serve through your actions. Be intentional and you will leave a trail of crumbled brick walls in your wake. And at the end of the chapter, there's a belief to embrace. And the belief is relationships are more important than rules. And here's a few questions for reflection. Who is a teacher who you knew cared for you, who made you feel special? Does he or she know? If not, and you're still able, let him or her know. Have you ever had an experience like the one with Mark and Sarah where you discovered you made an an unexpected difference with a student? And finally, What could you do to more strongly build relationships with the students or adults you serve? What steps could you take to be more intentional? All right, so that was chapter two of my book, Stories of Edu-Influence, The Power of Relationships. I sincerely hope that that those stories uh, resonated with you. I hope the first story about my my experience with Ariana. I know that some of you out there listening right now,, uh, you're like me, where you believe in the power, like you got to have an organized classroom. You have to you have to have structure. I mean, that you can still have fun in that situation, But I hope that this story really illustrates, uh, like I said, I didn't get it. I was putting structure and rules above relationships and it it cost me dearly as i said one of my one of my kiddos didn't even feel comfortable enough to ask me to go to the bathroom i'm 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 happy that happened i'm not happy that happened but i'm happy it happened and i'm happy it occurred in my first year of teaching because it was a wake up call early in my career hey Brent slap across the face get it in gear man this isn't about rules. It's about kids. It's about relationships. So, and as I talked about in the story, the second story about, uh, about Mark and Sarah, you can build those relationships and the one about uh, respecting, you can build relationships and even when you're having to hold kids accountable, it's not a one or the other type of thing. So again, in every episode when we have when we share our stories, I want to leave everyone, I want to leave listeners with a nugget, with a, a moral of the story, so to speak. And and this is remember, you can have both. You can build relationships with kids. Just building relationships with kids, it's it doesn't mean just being their friend and letting them do whatever they want you can hold kids accountable, you can build responsibility, you can build those character skills at the same time showing them that you love them. And when they step out of line, when they don't meet those expectations that that you know they're capable of meeting, it's okay to hold them accountable. And I just wanna remind everyone, we just have to make sure that we hold them accountable in a way that still communicates, hey, bud, I'm doing this because I love you. I'm holding you accountable here and this is why Because this is what's best for you. So once again, I hope you enjoyed those stories. And if this has pricked your interest and you're thinking, no, I want to hear more, uh, the book is available. Again, it's called Stories of Influence." It's available on Amazon. You can do a search for just edu influence, EDU influence, one word. The book will come up. It's got a ripple on the black cover with a with a ripple. Because I, I came up with that cover idea because that's kind of what we do. We we can drop a pebble in a in a calm pond, and we never know how far those ripples will go. The the influence that we can have. Uh, Oftentimes, we will never even know how far those ripples will go. So again, if you're interested in picking up a copy, I'm not getting rich on this, everyone. I'm not looking to make a ton of money. I am looking to influence people. I wrote the book because I'm passionate about uh, sharing with other people. And I hope that my stories, again, some successes and some failures can encourage you and inspire you. If you're thinking, gosh, what am I doing? Uh, Am I making a difference? I wrote this book for you. If you're thinking, "Gosh, am am I really, am I really making it?" Yes, you are. This book is for you, and I encourage you to pick up a copy. So, as always, thank you so much for listening. If you have already done so, if you've already subscribed and are listening in iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher, thank you so much for your continued support. Uh, it means more than you know. If you haven't subscribed yet, be sure to do so. Uh, again, you can find the web. You can find the podcast also on my website at brentcoley.com on the podcast page. So uh, thank you, everybody. Hope this resonated with you. And until next time, have a good one.